Good morning. So last week we started our series in Ephesians and we looked at the greeting. We looked at the church of Ephesus from when they experienced the gospel through the preaching of Apollos and Paul in in Acts uh, 18 and 19. And then we looked at the first couple verses in Ephesians and then we finished up in Revelation 2 where we were told or where the church in Ephesus was told, hey, you've done a lot of good things. You're you're enduring, but you've lost your first love. And Jesus there calls them to repentance and calls them back. This morning, our text is Ephesians 1, 3 through 10. And what we're going to see, you know, our our overall theme for Ephesians is unity in Christ. But over the next two weeks, we're going to look at one long run on sentence from verse three to verse 14 in Ephesians one. It's one sentence in the original language, 202 words where I believe Paul just get he gets caught up. And in, in, in praising God and recounting the many blessings that we see in Christ Jesus. So over the next two weeks, what we want to do is we want to look at the spiritual blessings that are in that passage from verse three all the way to verse 14. Today, we're going to look specifically at three to ten. And we're going to look at six different blessings we see for those in Christ Jesus. Again, just I can imagine Paul here penning this this letter and all of a sudden he just gets so caught up in these incredible riches that are found in Christ that they just flow from his pen one after the other where he's just praising the Lord. This passage right here, three to 14, is described by one person as a kaleidoscope of dazzling lights and shifting colors. Y'all understand that, right? A kaleidoscope is you look through it and you start twisting it and it's just exuberant. The colors just continue to dazzle you. They continue to go. That's how this passage is. My hope today is that these blessings that are found in Christ Jesus would cause us to erupt in praise to Christ. This passage is theologically and doctrinally rich. I, I, was, I was studying it over the past couple weeks, and I really think we could spend weeks just mining the diamonds and the gold from this passage, and we would never exhaust it. It is inexhaustible. We are going to see a lot of different truths and blessings that come from Christ Jesus in the next two weeks. Another way of seeing this passage from 3 to 14 is we see the Trinity on full display. In verses 3 through 6, Paul talks about the Father. In verses 7 to 10, we see Paul talking about the Son. And then verses 11 to 14, we see Paul talking about the Holy Spirit. We're going to see all of these spiritual blessings included in that is chosen. We're elected. We're adopted. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. We have wisdom and insight. We have unity. We have we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, the seal of the spirit. We have an inheritance. And this is all for those who are in Christ. So our big idea today, this is what I want us to walk out of here with. Let us praise God for the spiritual blessings he has lavished on us in Christ. Let us praise God 
for these spiritual blessings. So I want to read verses 3 to 10. And then I'm going to pray. And then we'll go into this passage. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. To the praise of his glorious grace, with with which he he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let's pray. Our father, we give you praise today. Oh God, as we look at these spiritual blessings that are in Christ, may our lives erupt with praise. God, we long to worship you. We long to to know you more. God, guide us now by your spirit. Fill us and illuminate our minds that we may understand. And by understanding, our lives may be changed. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. So verse three, as I was reading it, you probably realize this. Paul erupts in praise to God, the father. Paul writes, blessed be the God or praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he immediately praises him for the many blessings that are found in Christ. Paul sprinkles praises throughout this passage. He begins with praise in verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he ends the same way in verse 14 to the praise of his glory. That phrase to the to the praise of his glory. It's mentioned three times in this passage in verse six, in verse 12 and verse 14. Paul wants us to see that this should cause us to worship God. He's writing all of these blessings and right in the midst of writing these blessings, he continues to say to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glorious grace, to the praise of his glorious grace. This is what he wants to happen in our lives today. As we look at these blessings, may we cry out to God to the praise of his glorious grace. As I mentioned earlier, The God Paul presents here is a triune God. He is the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. We'll see the work of the Father, Son, and Spirit in this passage. One one pastor says it like this. Paul reminds his readers that we should bless God for the spiritual blessings we have received. He reminds us that we have been chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and assured by the Spirit. Father, Son, and Spirit, our triune God. It's a mystery, right? As as we think about a triune God, our minds, our our hearts should just, just start going, wow, God, you're so big. You're so incredible. How can we understand? Well, hopefully over the next two weeks, as we walk through this passage, 
we'll be given some more understanding. We'll grow in our understanding of these things. There's one key truth that I want to make sure we understand before we go any further. This phrase, we talked about it last week, in Christ. It is mentioned 11 times in this passage. In Christ, in Him, in the Beloved. These blessings are spiritual blessings found in the heavenly places. And they are only for those who have put their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. These blessings are poured out on believers who have repented of their sin and confessed Jesus as Lord. So I I just want to, to call out to you, if you are not in Christ, you have not yet received these blessings. And I call you to faith and repentance today. Oh, that the Spirit of God would would fall upon you and that you would repent of your sin and believe in Christ so that you may have these spiritual blessings and have them lavished upon you. So here's a quick list of the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. We're chosen. We're adopted. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. We have wisdom and insight There's unity of all things. There's an inheritance. There's a sealing with the Holy Spirit. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We're going to work through these in this passage over the next two weeks. So as we praise God this morning, because of these blessings, I want us to keep in mind this phrase to the praise of his glorious grace. After each of these blessings, may we praise him to the praise of his glorious grace. As we see each of these blessings, may we praise and worship our God. So the first blessing that we see in verse four is that we are chosen. We are chosen. God chose us in Christ. This blessing can only be accomplished in Christ. Before the foundation of the world, grasp that for a minute. Before Genesis 1 and 2, before the foundation of the world, God the Father chose us. Just, that, that's mind-boggling to me. That should, that should probably hurt as we actually try to comprehend that. Before the foundation of the world, before God spoke things into existence, Paul here says that God chose us in him, in Christ, before the foundation of the world. This idea, this truth of being chosen by God should humble us. Because if he chose us before the foundation of the world, that means that there's nothing that we could have done or have done to be chosen by God. Nothing. We have done no good works that have won us salvation. God chose us in Christ. This this truth should remind us of God's kindness towards us. He has chose us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world. This, This idea, this truth of being chosen... 
I think it's caused, and we see this, it's caused a lot of rift in our churches. Right? It's caused a lot of divide, division, and schism in our churches. And this is unfortunate. You know this? Paul is very clear here that even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, if we continue to read through the scriptures, we see this language over and over. Well, your first question might be, well, what about, what about free will? What about human responsibility? What is, I mean, what is going on here, Paul? I believe that this doesn't, because of the scriptures, because of what we see in the scriptures, this does not erase human responsibility and free will. You see, in God's gift of salvation, we see these two ideas of God's sovereignty, of choosing his people from from Israel. Nothing good of you. Nothing good of you. I've chosen you of Israel and of of the church alongside of human responsibility and free will. They coincide together. They are not an enmity. They are not warring against one another. Yes, this is a this is a mystery. It is mysterious how these two things come together in the salvation of people from every tribe, tongue, language and nation. Right. It is a mystery. But I would challenge you this week to see how Paul deals with these two incredible truths in Romans nine through eleven. Paul deals with these. He says, Jacob, I love Esau, I hated in Romans nine. In Romans 10, he says that no one can come to Jesus. No one can come to him unless they have heard the word. That's the only way. They must confess with with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. And then you will be saved. And then in chapter 11, he goes on to praise this God whose ways are not our ways, whose thoughts are not our thoughts. It's an incredible mystery. So I encourage you this week to read Romans 9 through 11 to see this mystery. And then another another question that comes up a lot of times. If God chose us before the foundation of the world, what about missions? What about evangelism? Why would we go? Why would we go if God has chose people before the foundation of the world? And my response to that is, how can we not go if God has chose people before the foundation of the world? The Bible is so clear. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. They must hear the gospel in order to be saved. We must go and preach the gospel to all peoples because God has people set apart to hear the word. In Luke 10, Jesus sends out his disciples two by two. He says, go and proclaim this word. Look for these people of peace. They're ready to hear. In Acts 18, this is Paul in Corinth. Paul is is going and planting churches. And in Acts 18, verses 9 and 10, listen to what the Lord tells Paul. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. The Lord spoke to Paul and said, go back in that city 
and proclaim the word because I have many in that city. And Paul spends a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. And we know that from this, the church in Corinth was planted because God had set apart and chosen many before the foundation of the world. This should light a fire under our evangelism. This should this should ignite us to go and share the gospel with all peoples. Because God is a kind God. And here Paul tells us that God chose us before the foundation of the world. And then he tells us our goal. He tells us the goal of our being chosen. He says right there that we should be holy and blameless before him. That is the goal. If you are a follower of Christ, you have been called to be holy and blameless. And now that we are in Christ, we actually have the ability to be holy and blameless. In Christ, we have received his righteousness. We put on Christ. We put on his righteousness. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We live out of we live out of this, this new identity. Now we can live as new creations in Christ. And this is the call on our life. This is the call to be holy and blameless. We are chosen. This should cause you to erupt in praise to the praise of his glorious grace. The second blessing we see here is we are adopted. We are adopted. It says in verse five, he predestined in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. We are adopted for himself. We're adopted for God. God has done that work. And in love, he set us apart and he adopted us. We are in the family of God. We are sons and daughters through Jesus. I want you to just take a second to look around at everyone in this room. We are sons and daughters of the king. As we look around at one another, we understand this. We've been brought into the family of God. We are brothers and sisters and we have an incredible family. This truth of adoption again should cause us to praise God. It says that God has loved us in the beloved. Jesus Christ is the beloved of God. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And it says right here that we're adopted into the family of God in Christ, in the beloved. It's also the will of the father. Do you see that? According to the purpose of his will. Your adoption, your being made a son or daughter of the king is the will of God. What's the will of God? That you're a son and daughter of the king. You're brought into his family. How does this blessing change the way you live? Do you still live as an orphan? Do you still live as as a as a child of Satan. How does this affect each and every day as you wake up? 
Let's strive to wake up every morning putting off that old mindset of being an orphan, being isolated, being lonely. And let's put on this new mindset of being a son or daughter in the family of God. That is who we are. We're children of the King, the one who created all things. You are a child of the King to the praise of his glorious grace. Worship him this morning. Worship the King. This third blessing that we see in verse 7 in him we have redemption through his blood. We are redeemed. We are redeemed. This title, the Redeemer, right? The Redeemer, King Jesus. This is a title that we need to thank on much. He has redeemed us. And this is done through his blood. Our freedom from sin, from Satan, from the world. Our freedom cost him his life. Right? Two Fridays ago, we celebrated the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And right here, Paul tells us that we are redeemed by his blood. The blood that was shed on that cross has bought us. We have been bought with a great price. We have been ransomed. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. Our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. We are redeemed through his blood. Do you understand? Do we grasp this redemption. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer in bondage to sin. You have freedom now. Jesus has bought you with a price. You are now free to live holy and blameless lives. Mark 10, 45, this is what Jesus says. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is our Jesus. He came to serve us. He came to give up his life as a ransom for many. Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Silver and gold! The, the shedding of, of animals cannot ransom us, cannot pay the price. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, the perfect lamb of God shed his blood that we may be redeemed. We are redeemed. Let us praise the Lord. Let this truth cause us to sing out in praise this week as we go about our days. May we remember that we are redeemed and may that cause us to praise him in his glorious grace. We are chosen. We are adopted. We are redeemed and we are forgiven.
We are forgiven. Psalm 130 says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Who could stand if if the Lord marked iniquities? No one. No one. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. All of us in here, regardless of who we are, we deserve death because of our sin, because of our trespasses. All have sinned. None None is without fault. All have sinned. There's none righteous. No, not one. Our trespasses condemn us. And God cannot be in the presence of sinful humans. People who truly understand their sins are the ones who truly understand forgiveness. Are you weighed down by your sin today? Do you stand condemned before a holy God? Paul tells us there's forgiveness at the cross. If you are if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is entrance into the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Repenting and turning to Christ Jesus. Paul tells us that one of the blessings, one of the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places of those in Christ is that we have forgiveness of our trespasses. One of the characteristics that marks a community of believers is regular confession of sin. Are we a people who regularly confess our sin to one another? You know, this should be a freeing thing because we we do not stand condemned before the father. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We stand free to confess regularly to one another. In King's Church, the what what this looks like is is through small groups and discipleship groups. Where where we are meeting together and we're holding one another accountable to obey the word. Where as we fall into sin or as we sin throughout the week, we come ready to ask for forgiveness to the Father, but also to to talk with one another as well, to confess our sins with one another. This is what we want to see. This is the culture that we need to have because this will bring unity among us. This will bring a love for one another. So let us praise God this morning for the forgiveness that comes through the finished work of Jesus. This forgiveness is lavished on us. Did you see that at the the end of verse seven in the beginning of verse eight? We have forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. He has lavished this upon us. Our father is rich in grace. He doesn't just give us a little. He pours it out. It's not a trickle from a stream, but it's a drenching from a waterfall. That's what it is. It is lavish and it is rich and it is poured out on us each and every day. It's poured out extravagantly to the praise of his glorious grace. May this cause us to worship. 
This next blessing that we see in in verse nine, or sorry, in verse eight, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He has given us wisdom and insight. We have wisdom and insight. Those in Christ have wisdom and insight. This allows us to live out the gospel in our in our lives. Right here in Charlotte, this allows us to live out the gospel. These are gifts from God. The person who has wisdom knows how to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. We have insight into the mysteries of God. That's what he says in verse 9 and 10. That we understand his will. We view the world differently because of this wisdom and insight. We have a biblical worldview where now we view the, lens, we view the world through a, a scripture lens, through a Christ lens. That's how we see We don't see things the way we once saw them. We've been given a new set of eyes, a new mind, a new heart. So now we have wisdom and insight in order to live out this gospel. Do you see things differently than your unbelieving friends, family, and neighbors? The way you talk should sound different. The way you think should look different. The way you act should be different. We have wisdom and insight poured out on us, lavishly given to us. And we have the promise of the Spirit. The Spirit indwells us so that now we may live out this gospel in wisdom and insight. May we praise Him and worship Him because of this. The last blessing we're going to look at today comes from verse 10. In verse 10, this is what Paul says. Verse 9 says that he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. So God's purpose has been set forth in Christ. And this mystery has now been revealed to us as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We are united. We are united. There is unity in Christ Jesus. Yes, we experience this now, but there's also going to be an experience of this for eternity where things in heaven and things on earth will be united in him. He is bringing restoration and it is cosmic restoration. It is all things will be united in Christ Jesus. God has revealed his eternal plan to us. Yes, this was a mystery, but now in Christ it has been revealed. This plan was set forth in Christ and is to unite all things in heaven and on earth. All things are brought together in Christ. As we look around, just the people that are right here in this local church, we see a glimpse of this. People from different backgrounds are united. From different countries are united from different generations are united from different socioeconomic statuses are united. This is going to be a major theme as we continue through Ephesians. We're going to see this. Paul's going to continue to hit this unity in Christ. We have been given understanding of this mystery. And now this is the incredible thing. We're experiencing the fruit of this unity right now in this church. You think about what's going on. We're taking two churches, New Old Baptist Church, 126 years old. 
in a King's church that's only a few months old and we're coming together. Yes, we look different. We think different. We have different backgrounds, but we're coming together in unity because this is one of the spiritual blessings we have in Christ. We are the family of God. We're adopted. We're chosen. We're redeemed. We're forgiven. We have wisdom and insight and we're united. Oh, may these blessings cause us to worship to the praise of his glorious grace. This is an incredible passage. We've been reminded today of these amazing blessings that are found for those who are in Christ Jesus. They have been lavished on us. So this week, starting today as we leave, let us praise God for the spiritual blessings he has lavished on us in Christ. Let us praise him. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so grateful for what you've given us in Christ Jesus. May our lives now be lived out as an act of worship that is holy and acceptable to you. God, as we sing, may these truths and these blessings that we just saw in Ephesians 1, 3 through 10, may they cause us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Oh God, we give you praise for you have lavished on us all of these blessings. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.